talk today about Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I want to talk about whether or not that means what we think it means. Does it mean that we can do anything? Uh, Does it mean that athletes can do anything they want as long as they're empowered by Jesus? I think that it means something very positive and something very hopeful for us, Uh, but I really want to know what that means, and I want to hash that out today on today's episode of Lighthouse Podcast with the Apostle Paul. first things we have to do to get into this is to get into the text of Philippians and that can be a very difficult thing to do for us and we want to make that as easy as possible today. So what I really want to do is is just kind of figure that out about what's going on in Paul's context and what's in Paul's mind because we often read Paul as if he is an American living back in the ancient world, uh, the ancient Roman world with uh, the Hellenized culture where there are Greek philosophers who have different ideas about what life is like and have influenced the world for years uh, around Paul. Uh, Paul was a student at uh, the university in Cilicia, 
of Tarsus, and he was a top student, obviously. He was a Pharisee. He was someone who knew the uh, the Bible, the Torah, the writings, the Psalms and the prophets, the wisdom literature, uh, backwards and forwards. And we know that Paul knew what he was talking about. But here in Philippians, we find him saying something new and interesting. And I want to know what that is. And that particular verse, again, is I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, how many times have you seen at a sporting event, whether on TV or live, that someone might have that uh, verse uh, on a card or something where it is an inspirational idea that they have behind that? Or an athlete may bow down uh, in, in an end zone uh, after a after shooting a basket, uh, hitting a baseball, whatever it might be, uh, they will quote that, and you will find that people, you know, are supposed to assume that that means that God has really given them the ability to do what they have done, and so they're trying to give credit to God. Well. I have lived in that situation where there have been uh, many who use that, uh, and they still use that today, even if they're not in front of uh, media and they're not popular. There is still the idea of being able to do something uh, because of what God has empowered somebody to do. So I, I want to hover around that and try to break through a lot of the noise that deals with this topic because it's very interesting to hear how many people, whether it be on YouTube or uh, something else, that try to explain this passage. And one thing that I always try to do is try to break through the noise by really kind of, if possible, going back into the ancient world, to see what may have been influencing somebody like the Apostle Paul and know what he's really talking about before I start to make any assumptions about what he's projecting or if he's even projecting something into the future or into the hearts of those who are listening to him so that they imitate him because that is a major concern for him and those in the colony, the Philippian uh, group there that have believed in Jesus. They're in the province of Rome where uh, the emperor has uh, you know, sent a lot of military back in there. They, they want to keep peace back in Rome, so they, there's a lot of people back in Philippi where they have retired, and there's a culture there that goes on, and it's a Greek culture, and they, they have this understanding of a way of living that is going to be remarkably different than what they're used to hearing in Paul. Uh, you have Lydia from that place. You have poor. You have slaves. You have all kinds of different people um, seeing one another in different aspects of life, uh, different roles in life, whether it be high class, low class, and you're going to have something to figure out here. So uh, before I get into 
any more explanation, I'm going to try to set the tone by reading some of the text, which is what I find that a lot of people on videos don't do. Uh, they they speculate or they have they have conjecture and they they seem to, in my opinion, leave it behind. And it's 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 something that automatically goes to the assumption of us as an individual uh, and how we benefit from it. There's there's a strong temptation to do that with all of Scripture uh, prior to understanding what we're even talking about. Okay, so let me read from Philippians chapter four and give us a partial. Um, beginning with this. So verse 10, Paul will say something to the Philippians. He says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. <laughs> that's, that's pretty interesting in and of itself. What we have here is that Paul rejoices in the Lord. So he he is giving thanks to God. Um, you know, he's very happy uh, that now at length the Philippians have revived their concern for him. I believe what we're talking about here, or what Paul is talking about here as he's in prison, in, and in prison you don't have, like the American modern prison, you don't have people that um, feed you, uh, take care of your bedding and clean everything for you or whatever. You don't have that. You have you you are under house arrest, as far as I know. That Paul uh, in Ephesus was, and you are dependent upon those who can come and go. Uh, visitors, you're dependent upon visitors. Uh, those that you know that can provide you with the necessary food, the necessary uh, upkeep. And this is the problem, I think, that Paul has been dealing with a little bit while he is in prison, let alone the um, concerns he has for what his immediate future are by being imprisoned. So you have him saying that he's very happy that they've revived their concern for him. And I think that what he's talking about, which will be explained in the following verses, is that they have been able to bring money to him uh, so that he can continue the work and continue supporting himself um, through uh, their gift or their offering. So the Philippians are showing their love, their agape, through the financial support. And that's huge in Paul's world. It is, even in business in Paul's world, Agape is a way of saying, basically, I'll scratch your back, you scratch mine. And that's the way business was done. I believe that the word agape is not just something that comes up in Scripture, but is actually a, a, a word, a Greek word from the business world. They all understood what it, what it meant um, to take care of one another in that sense, or be hospitable for one another in that sense. So what you have here is you have Paul being very happy that they have revived their concern for him, and I believe that to mean financially, uh, because he's in prison. He cannot work for himself. 
He cannot set up shop and make canvas uh, canvases for tents. He cannot go to be with someone like uh, Aquila and Priscilla to do this while he's in prison. He needs help. And so he says, you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. In other words, they had no opportunity to give. And he says this in verse 11 and following, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. So what is happening here? What is Paul saying about, uh, he says, you were concerned for, concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Uh, they had planned to give to him. He loves the Philippian brethren. Uh, he is great. Uh, he's greatly happy that they have been having the success they've had with the gospel, and but they haven't had opportunity to provide for him. Maybe they've promised him uh, something financially, and now they're being able to fulfill that promise and show their love for his work and him in that way. But he also says in verse 11, not that I'm speaking of being in need, so here's where the culture comes in. Here's where the background comes in that I think that we have not even really uncovered. If we were archaeologists, uh, we would if we would consider ourselves uh, theological archaeologists, uh, we sometimes don't even uncover things and just rely on what we have found. And we have to make, uh, we make conclusions based upon the, the artifacts that we find. And many times we are in a hurry and uh, I know what that's like. And so uh, even this needs some more <laughs> digging. But I want, to, I want to talk about what we have found. And I know that others have not found some of these things. So this is why... Uh, it is necessary for us to continue to think about what Paul's saying in Philippians 4.13. Uh, he's, he's saying, not that I am speaking of being in need, uh, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. He's echoing some things in Greek culture which seem to be similar to what he's saying and which they understand easily. You have uh, some very influential groups in Greek culture, and they were uh, from the man Epicurus, and you have a group called the Epicureans, or an Epicurean philosophy, uh, that learns to, they don't want, you know, we, we just, we have a philosophy where you don't struggle. Uh, to the the secret to life is that you avoid suffering in that way. You avoid struggling as much as possible. So you have you have that um, an untroubled life. Uh, the Greek word is actually ataraxia or atarakia, 
Paul isn't talking about the idea of the stoic goal of apathy, which would be like the state in which one no one in which one no longer feels suffering. Uh, they looked for these ideas in life uh, to be the secret. Uh, they would promote these ideas of being the secret to the best way of life, the best way of living as a human. So uh, those who walked in the Stoa, the Stoics, uh, and those from Epicurus, the Epicureans, they had different philosophies that would have influenced Greek culture very heavily. Paul is talking about and echoing something that would uh, trigger their minds in that regard to the secret of life. So he, he actually talks about that in verse 12. He says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And so he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So his the secret that he is talking about is the ability for him to live the human life. But it isn't through apathy or it isn't through... Uh, the, the, the opportunity for maybe most of those who are wealthy to avoid uh, the untroubled life. Uh, he is talking about through suffering, actually, that he finds a way to see God's blessing in that. And that's the way that we learn to be the new human in Jesus. And this just reaches back into chapter 2, with that wonderful poem about uh, Paul talking about Jesus dying on a cross, uh, how he took on the form of a bondservant or a slave. And so he says, if there's any encouragement, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection, and empathy and sympathy complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind in you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something he should go after, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant or a slave, being born in the likeness of men. But then he finds himself obedient to death on a cross. And this is the, the biggest impact in Christianity, that it is centered around Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, because we find that Jesus is creating a new human. God is creating a new human and therefore a new humanity through Jesus, and it came through suffering. So it doesn't necessarily come through martyrdom, or it doesn't necessarily come through uh, small things either. It comes through Jesus. And so Paul finds himself saying that, that he 
can do all things through him who strengthens him. And it's this new way of being human. It's not Paul saying basically that if you want to be successful in a sport, uh, then you have to tap into this inner reserve and you have to trust in God to do it. Because I, I know that I've had friends who are both uh, believers in Jesus, and one of them is on the other team, and so somebody's going to lose that day. Uh, somebody's going to lose in a competition. So it isn't about uh, personal success and uh, presenting a resume of here are all of my great successes. Uh, Paul actually presents a shock list uh, to the to the believers in, in several different places about his suffering, um, and he talks about himself being uh, born um, a Hebrew, a descendant of Abraham. He says, if anyone else, verse uh, uh, 4 in chapter 3, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, of the Christians. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. Nobody could say anything wrong with Paul. But whatever I, but as to, uh, he says, whatever, I, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss. So he has a list of, if you want to look at somebody who's been successful, uh, you, can look, you can look at me and I can tell you what success looks like. In Judaism, I can tell you exactly what it looks like. Uh, but it it wasn't actually the point of Torah or the law uh, for Paul. The point was that he found the point to be in Jesus. And that's what we find here in Philippians chapter 4. Paul is not saying as an example or an axiom, you know, for all people, a proverb for all people. Look, you can do anything you want. You can put it what you can do whatever you put your mind to, as long as you believe in God and um, trust in him to give you the strength to do it. What he is saying, in contrast to the philosophies of his day, is that he isn't uh, looking to some inner reservoir for strength. Uh, he isn't doing that, and he doesn't, and in his version of success, his learning how to how to cope with all of the suffering he's been through uh for through his ministry in Jesus so it is puzzling as we have a culture that um elevates uh these ideas and then we put them on bumper stickers uh, it is challenging to actually get a taste of what we should actually be thinking uh because it's so clouds our minds uh, as to what Paul is even saying. And so, again, we go back to this idea that he's attributing the Philippians' um, gift of uh, financial support to him. Uh, and, and, and he's saying that that is a part of God doing things, but he's but he's not relying on inner strength, and he's not even saying that um, he was, he was anxious about, you know, he wasn't going to make it if they didn't help him. 
he was like, look, I have been through this. I have been, I, I have had to cope with this before. And so I really want to tell you that I am grateful that you have been able to re- revive your concern for me because it's a, it's an act of love and reciprocity for Jesus and the ministry that Paul's in. It's not just something that Paul's like, man, I'm glad that you really figured it out because now I can relax. No, Paul is not going to relax. Uh, he's, he's got work ahead of him and, uh, he's still got concerns for all the churches. Um, so that's why he says verse 14, uh, which we rarely read yet. It was kind of you to share my trouble. It was kind of you to share my trouble. Um, and, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving. You hear the, like those accounting words, except you only, he says, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So here you have him kind of saying the same thing to the Philippians that and God will supply every need of yours. But he doesn't mean every need, every want of yours, uh, Philippians. And nor does he mean every want of his own, as we interpret it to be selfish. Uh, I, I want to do this, so God, you must empower me to do it. I know that it is humanly possible to do it. You must do this. I, I'm obligating you to do this. And if not, then I will probably lose faith in you because... You haven't given me the opportunity to um, exalt myself um, in this way. We have, you see can we, how we can run into real problems if we take a line of thinking that is uh, definitely current in our societies, in our culture, in our uh, Christian perspective. Uh, but uh, we, I think that if we dig a little bit further into the text, we have more reason uh, to believe that Paul is talking about being able to do something, all things he's saying that he can be strengthened to do uh, that is necessary for um, the ministry that he has, his vocation as a human being is to glorify Jesus in the way he's doing it. And he's, he's kind of, he's kind of found the secret to what the philosophers always looked for, but never were able to really find the Epicureans and the Stoics, uh, thought that they had the answers to human life and what, really understanding what human life was all about. And Paul is saying, I have, I think through all of these years, through all of these prayers, everything I've learned from childhood and so forth, and through all of my sufferings, uh, that, that it's, it's in Jesus. 
the ability to cope uh, you find in Jesus. You, you, you learn it and you understand that's what it is. And what it is is you suffer. Um, and you can, you can embrace suffering instead of rejecting it. And that's the biggest lesson, I think, for a lot of people, uh, especially for myself and for others, is suffering must be embraced and not seen as a threat um, as, as much as we see it as a threat. So you have these aspects of <clears throat> Paul in here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, and we have uh, a context that I think that we need to get uh, into our thinking to, to learn it better. I don't think that I have all of the answers uh, to this, obviously, but I think a lot of people on YouTube as well as podcasts... Um, they, I, I'm glad that they're working on it as well as I am. Um, I think that there is a lot of work to be done in the area of trying to figure out what Paul says. I've considered many sources, and uh, there really isn't an, enough addressing of this topic in the circles that, that I have encountered. Uh, there is some uh, in in a very rare places, I think. And, uh, that's what I'm trying to uncover. Kind of like the theological archeology, span there's, there's something else to uncover and uh, there's probably a lot more, but, um, the, the main thing that we need to stick with, with Paul is his secret of how does he, how does he do this? Well, he learns to embrace suffering in a different way. Whereas the rest of the world doesn't understand how to embrace suffering. They see suffering as something that needs to be rejected uh, and, um, and done away with. And uh, I, don't, I don't know anyone who's been able to avoid that in life. Um, and Jesus is the prime example. So uh, with that, I mean, I think that we really need to um, to, to learn from Paul even more. And uh, I think that I think that the song kind of says it all, let it be so with me. It's not taking a, a line of thought that just says, you know, I, whatever comes is going to come. I'll just kind of roll with it. Uh, no, there's there's righteousness to be standing for. Uh, but at the same time, there's going to be suffering when you stand for that righteousness. Then what do you do? Um, the gospel is at stake. Uh, but uh, the secret, what is it? We can do everything through a new human. Uh, but maybe more than what people in this world think it is.
so